All right. Well, I just broke the microphone, so we're going to go with a handheld. <laughs> Yay! Nailed it! I'm going to put this thing inside, so... As if my voice is not loud enough, touche. It's loud, but not loud enough to reach the people at home who are watching. Um, before we start, just real quick, uh, we, there was somebody, in our, somebody who's been recently coming to our church who asked uh, if uh, they can have a baptism next weekend. So whenever we've done this at our church before, we've always been outside, but we're going to do it inside, which means it'll be, have several days to warm up and not be like 60 degrees when we do it outside. So uh, if you want to be baptized or you know somebody who wants to be baptized next week, please come after me after service, let me know, so that way we can uh, make sure that. I always, like, I always give a spontaneous call to baptism too, so if you're uh, on the fence, you may just want to tell me beforehand so you have time to plan, because I suspect the Holy Spirit will tell you to get baptized uh, if you're on the fence about it now. So, um, well, today we are finishing off our series on Manifest where we have been going over the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, our, ge- our goal through this series is to kind of demystify, um, make much more common what these spiritual gifts are. For some people, you may have grown up with these gifts, prophecy, speaking in tongues, healings, things like that. For some people, it is completely foreign. And we want to make sure that we make a space and talk about what does the Bible actually say about them, and then how do we practice them. Um, Last week, Rachel did a sermon on prophecy um, that was really good. If you were not here, I would definitely recommend, I say this every week, uh, but I mean it every week, uh, but I mean it more this week than normal weeks. Um, I would definitely go back and listen to it. I learned a whole lot about prophecy. I think a lot of things of what I thought was prophecy is not prophecy. Um, and it, it really, she spent a really good time talking about what it means to prophesy it corporately in a healthy way, in a place of safety, in a place of comfort, and, and uh, just really a, an amazing time. And people had prophesied who had never done it before. Um, so go ahead and listen to it. Uh, that's a gift that is kind of can be really difficult and very, can make you feel very vulnerable. And we want to make sure that we are uh, engaged in a culture here at that church that allows people to speak out and allows people uh, to operate uh, in different giftings that they never had before. So uh, that was a really great time that we did that. Well, these uh, past couple of weeks, we've talked about the following gifts here as we've gone through. Uh, the message of uh, wisdom and knowledge, the gift of faith, the gifts of healing and miraculous powers, and then prophecy. So six different gifts in four weeks. Um, and we're going to be closing them out today by talking about the last one. Let's go ahead and I'm going to read uh, the scripture verse so that way we can go ahead and see uh, what the Bible talks about these gifts. So, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between the spirits. To another, speaking in different types of tongues. And another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them each as he determines. So, 
Today we're talking about speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues. I think that of all the gifts that are up here, I would say that perhaps uh, the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues would maybe be the most controversial. Uh, maybe prophecy. Uh, maybe it's a, a tie for first. But it's something that if, if you identify yourself as a Christian today on earth, there are two extremes that, and everywhere on the spectrum where you can be. I think on one end of the spectrum, it is unless you speak in tongues, you are not truly saved. All the way to the other extreme where if you speak in tongues, it is of the devil. And there's everywhere on earth, there's somewhere between the two. And our denomination that we're part of, Foursquare, is a Pentecostal denomination, uh, meaning that we believe in the charismatic gifts. You know, as, as we went through this list, we believe in all of them. Uh, I think it makes sense, and I've talked about this before, if you believe in a God who intervenes on earth, if you will pray and ask God to heal you, and you believe that he um, will come down, and he's not just a God who sits up in heaven on a cloud with hands in his pockets, right, that he intervenes, it makes sense that these gifts would be for us today. It wouldn't make sense there'd be one or two that you operate in, but not all of them. Uh, but what's important for us and what we believe is that Scripture tells us that we want to make sure that when we do and operate in these gifts, we do it the right way. Because the Bible tells us we could do things the wrong way. That just because something is good and just because something uh, is beneficial means that we can kind of come in and mess it up. Rachel did a great object lesson uh, last week about how God will give us maybe a word or give us something good and we will just screw it up because that's what humans do. Amen? We just seem to mess up all of the good things that God gives us sometimes. It's just the way that we work. So um, what is this gift? Tongues is the, the, the actual translation. A better translation is language. So if you were to think about it, uh, the, the gift would be the gift of languages or the interpretation of languages. Uh, tongues is kind of the, the terminology in our English phrase that we use that seem to make the most sense, but that's really uh, the better description of it. And the first time that we see this gift used is Jesus actually talks about it. He talks about it in Mark 16, and he says that later, after I'm off this earth, there will be those who will speak in other languages. So he is kind of hinting at it. He hints about the Holy Spirit coming down, and he hints that this will be something that his followers will one day do. And we see that happen. After Jesus dies, spoiler alert, and gets raised from the dead, he, uh, his followers are worshiping uh, God in Jerusalem, and in the middle of their worship service, a great big ball of fire appeared. And in the Old Testament, fire represented God's presence. So everyone knew when they saw that fireball that God was in their midst. But something weird happened. The fireball separated, and little bits of fire came and rested on every single person there. What that signified is that from there forward, God no longer resides in places. He resides in people. You see, for us now, if you've grown up in the church or you've have some familiarity with different religions, the idea of God being inside of you isn't foreign, right? We use language, like inviting Jesus into our heart, God being here. But 
to those at the time, that was very foreign. And actually to us, I mean, think about that. The creator of the universe is inside you. Like, that's crazy. Just to sit and to think about that. And at this time, when the Holy Spirit fell, what happened was, is the group of people that were together worshiping began to speak in other languages. They spoke in other languages of the day. And as they were beginning to speak, there were lots of different travelers from all over the world who would walk up and say, hey, I didn't know you spoke Phoenician. And the person would say, I don't speak Phoenician. I don't know what I'm saying. And then the next person would say, I didn't know you spoke Aramaic. And they'd say, I don't speak Aramaic. I don't really know what I'm saying. And it was a sign to all the unbelievers around that God was showing up in a powerful way. That's the first time we saw this gift of tongues, gift of languages used. And it was a sign for unbelievers that, hey, what is happening is real, that this is a miraculous thing. So these two gifts that we're taking a look at, tongues and the interpretation of tongues kind of go hand in hand, um, and you see. So um, it's this idea, or he, Paul tells us actually in 1 Corinthians 12 um, what kind of the reason is for tongues, the gifts of languages, and interpretation. Tongues, languages then, are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers but for believers. I think this was a great thing that Rachel kind of talked about last time. I think this is where sometimes I think we get prophecy wrong. If you are prophesying, and it is not about the church, but it is about those outside of the church, that's not really prophecy. You may be doing something else, that's great, but let's not call it prophecy. Prophecy is for the church, it's for us. It's not for people who aren't in the church. Well, the gift of tongues is the exact opposite. When I speak with a language that is a foreign language and somebody else hears it in their own language and then interprets it, that's a sign for them. That's what we should be doing for them. And this gift of the manifestation, um, the manifestation gift of speaking in languages and having it interpreted is something that's pretty special. I would almost call it rare. It's something that doesn't happen very often. I think it can it probably should happen more often, to be honest with you. It's something that we should operate in. I've heard of stories of uh, people on a mission field where they will begin praying out in a language they don't know, and it happens to be the language uh, of the people who were there. I remember I was talking with a pastor one time who was sitting, reading his Bible on a plane, and they were just talking with some random stranger, uh, and he was just happened to be reading about tongues in Acts 2, and this other person was like, well, do you speak in tongues? What does it sound like? And this person was like, well, this is what it sounds like. And he just began to spoke. And the language he was speaking, the person who was sitting next to him uh, grew up in South America. The language that he was speaking was a uh, language of a Native American, uh, not American, yeah, I guess Native American, but an indigenous people's language that was like dead that this person had studied and knew about when they were a, bo a kid, a boy. So that was the sign from this person, like, whatever it is you're speaking, I recognize this from like 30 years ago, and that person became a Christian right on the spot. That's how this gift kind of operates. So Paul then, he goes through, and he also begins um, to talk about how this is a, a corporate gift that's meant to be shared in public. Uh, what's interesting, and this is the part that's kind of interesting you can kind of nerd out on, as you begin to read about the gift of tongues, 
you began to see that this same gift of languages has a separate function. That you have times where you say it publicly, but there's also times, and you'll use other language, such as like praying in the spirit, where you will, you will speak in other languages, however, they're not meant to be shared corporately. They're meant to be shared privately. And so when you think about this gift of languages, it's almost two separate gifts that sometimes the authors use interchangeably and sometimes they use different language. And I think sometimes it can get confusing. But when you hear gift of tongues, there are two different ways. There's corporate, that's not for us, it's for everyone else. And then there is private, that's not for you guys, it's just for John, just for me. I pray it for myself. Um, and it's really uh, interesting. We see here in 1 Corinthians 14... Verse 2, he talks about it. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. So this right here in 1 Corinthians 14, we see Paul kind of shift in the language and the functionality of it. It's not corporate. It's a private gift. Anyone who speaks in a language does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries of the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue, language, edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So you see this fascinating difference here. Uh, I know I'm belaboring this, but it's a really important distinction for us to get. Where you have tongues and interpretation that is meant to be interpreted, that is meant to be shared public on a microphone in a loud setting, right? And it's for those who are unbelievers. And then you have this other kind of this praying in the spirit that's personal. Um, and what's also fascinating too is that this idea of praying in the spirit is also very distinct from all of the other gifts we've looked at. All of the other gifts we've looked at, you have a specific time where God will just kind of place it upon you. You operate in that gift, and then it, it goes away, right? If you have the gift of healing, you don't just walk in and look around the room and just start healing every single person you see. What happens is, is God will tell you, hey, go pray for that one person, pray for them, and then they get healed, right? It's not just all the time with you. If you have the gift of prophecy, it's not like as I'm standing looking at you guys, I see a little tiny screen with prophecies for every single one of you, right? All 40 people. No, it's I get one for one person. The gift of tongues or languages, this personal is distinct. It's unique from these seven. These, uh, this one there is the time where it operates in that one moment when it's interpreted, but the uh, believer can at any time pray in the Spirit. At any time, you can go ahead and do it personally. Not necessarily corporately, but personally. So it's, again, unique. So today, as we kind of go through in some of our questions, uh, when I use the term tongues or languages, it does mean both, um, but I think that I'm probably going to, as we transition, going to look more on the personal aspect, what it means to personally do it. And that, that isn't that I don't value the corporate one. Uh, I just think that there's value in also what this personal one means, how it functions. So what is this practically? I mean, obviously, it can be a little, I don't know, 
confusing, and like I said, does everyone kind of get where I'm going? Everyone's kind of like, ah, I kind of understand what you're saying. Anyone not get it and be willing to be vulnerable enough to say, hey, I don't understand, will you just repeat what you said? All right, I am awesome. <laughs> That's how I interpreted that. That's right, thank you. Uh, so what does this mean? Practically, what does this look like? So for me as a pastor, I've, I do... Um, I do speak in tongues, other languages, personally, kind of that praying in the spirit. I've never prayed that on a microphone before. I've never shared it publicly. Um, the time that I do it, I do it by myself, or uh, if I do it in a group of people, I'll do it under, kind of under my breath, but it's for me to actually build me up. Um, I think I've seen before um, this operate in churches that I churches that I grew up in or other churches I've been to. Um, I've seen people kind of sh- kind of speak in tongues loud and publicly without an interpretation. I think that most people mean well. I think maybe it's just being me being overly picky. I don't think so, but me being picky. But I personally, when looking at what God's word says about it. Uh, if any time you have tongues shared publicly on a microphone or in a public setting, it needs to be interpreted. If not, then it needs to be addressed and say, hey, thank you for saying that, but that, that needs to be done uh, kind of privately. I've also been to churches where they'll say, hey, everyone in the church, go ahead and speak out, pray in the spirit, and have everyone in the room do it. I also don't believe that that's biblical. Um, again, I think it's done with the good intentions. Uh, however, in 1 Corinthians 14, it says pretty clearly only two or three should be doing it max. Because what happens is if everyone is praying in the spirit and speaking in tongues, someone who doesn't will walk in and have no clue what the heck is going on. They'll be like, and, and they'll be like, what is happening? This is crazy, <laughs> which it kind of is a little crazy, right? So if you have circumstances like that, I, I don't think that it's best appropriate to have things. Again, I think it's meant to be I don't think it's done purposefully uh, in some of those environments. Um, I just think God's word's pretty clear on how it should function and how it shouldn't function. The other thing is the kingdom of God is inclusive. It bring, God, Jesus brings people to himself. And I would never want to corporately all do something if somebody has never done that before and feel excluded. Feel like, well, I guess I don't, I don't do that, so I guess I'm not welcome here. That's not the way the kingdom of God works, not the way Jesus works. We're all... Wherever we're at, it's an inclusive environment. So that's how I functionally do it. However, there are times where maybe I will be praying uh, in a small group of people, maybe with our staff. Like we have pre-service prayer uh, here every single morning. If, if it's kind of a smaller environment where everyone I know speaks in tongues, at that point, it could be a little bit more comfortable and then maybe speak a little bit louder or I'm not as concerned about people hearing me, right? Does that make sense? So it's just kind of a practical, a practical way of how I think that we live it out. Um, but I, I probably spend most of my personal prayer life praying in tongues. That's how I generally will pray. I generally will pray in that way um, just when I'm by myself. And there's a reason for that. Um, the reason why is we have this beautiful verse in Romans 8 that I'll read here that says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes through us through wordless groans. 
kind of this idea of wordless groans is kind of like this idea of speaking in another language, kind of this concept of um, just not really making sense to the outside world, right? Not really knowing what it is. You know, as a pastor, a lot of times people will come to me and ask for prayer for stuff. I know in our men's group we, that we meet on Tuesdays and we have a group chat and every morning Bob will put out a request to see if we have prayer requests and we'll pray for each other. Um, it's really nice to be prayed for. You know what I mean? It's really nice when you're just like, oh, I have this issue. I could pray for myself, but I really want to be prayed for by somebody else. What I love about praying in the spirit is that it says that when I do that, it's the Holy Spirit who is then interceding for me. How crazy is it that there's a way where God will pray for you and you hear it? It's kind of mystifying. It, it's amazing. It's something that if, if you do it, if you're familiar with this gift, I think it'd be easy to kind of forget like, oh, every single time I pray for my, every single time I pray in the spirit, it's God praying for me. It's me not knowing. There are times in life I don't know how to pray. There are times in life, you know what I mean? You're just like, I don't even know where to start. I don't even, you know, especially like tragedies, you know, things like that. We're about to have a teenager in our house for the first time next week. Gunner's turning 13. We're going to have a teenager. Lots of times, lots of times, I'm not even going to know where to start to pray. I recognize it. And the Holy Spirit says, it's okay. You don't have to know what you're going to say. I'll pray for you. And you use this gift. It's so profound. And it's something that is absolutely amazing that we get to take a part in. So to answer some of the questions I posed at the beginning, do you have to speak in tongues to be a Christian? Nope. Do you have to speak in tongues to have the Holy Spirit? Nope. Do I think it's something that you should try for? Sure. I think it's something that's going to be great benefit to you. It's been great benefit to me. Paul says it's a great benefit to him. Paul says, I speak in tongues more than all you guys. Right? At the same time, this gift is also a little unique because it is incredibly vulnerable. Because you're speaking out loud words you don't understand. And it's really difficult, I'll be honest. It's hard to push through. It's this idea of like you have to give yourself over. Fear of what it may sound like. Fear of what others will think. Fear about, well, what happens? Like all all these things, you really have to work on yourself a lot. It's really hard to overcome that. I think the biggest obstacle for us to do this is just ourselves. To be honest, it's, it's, it's kind of hard. But the journey is worth it. You learn stuff on the journey and how it works. So what I want to do is um, we're going to take some time breaking into our tables. There's questions that we have um, there that we're going to go through and talk to, talk about at our tables. We're also going to open up um, a place where you can, you can ask for prayer to receive the gift of tongues, uh, of languages. And so um, 
we're going to, you know, part of me, I'll be honest with you, this is just me, part of me is kind of like, usually when when you're praying for this gift, the best setting is kind of like on a worship night where you can kind of have a little bit more of the mood and everything else. I think that this environment isn't, isn't really conducive to that. At the same time, when I started thinking about not doing it, I really felt the Holy Spirit say, hey, are you not believing that I can go ahead and do it anyway? I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. So we're going to allow, we're going to allow that, but just know, just know if you're seeking, if, you're, if you really want to seek the gift and it doesn't happen, um, it has nothing to do with you. I think it's something that we can continually do. And I would say, please come up and talk to me. Maybe talk to Rachel or Rory, who's over our prayer. Um, she's not here today, but come talk to us and we will schedule a time to maybe pray for you in a different environment that might be a little bit more conducive. But at the end of the day, we can make, the, our job is just to try to make the environment right. It's the Holy Spirit who does it, right? It's no guarantee, like, we'll come to a prayer night and come and you will speak. Like, who knows, right? There's no guarantee that if I pray for you to be healed, you're going to be healed. But I'm going to do it anyway because Jesus tells me to, right? And then on the back of the, um, on the back of the sheet that you have, this is not scripture. This is not gospel. This is John's opinion on the gift of speaking in tongues. I just want to make that clear. This is just a practical guide that sometimes can somewhat be helpful. I would actually take this, if you, again, if you're wanting to seek it, take it and bring it home with you and then just kind of go through it uh, and kind of work, th- work that way. It's just practical tips on how to go ahead and kind of step out in it. And so um, we'll open it up. Hey, if you're really feeling like, hey, I want to do this thing and the best environment for me to pray for this thing is alone in my car, get up, grab a snack, go to your car and do it alone, right? This time is for you. Uh, I think it's important, but we're gonna go ahead and open and share um, and do that. And I know that Rachel, she has also um, gonna be in the office. So if just the noise and, you know, noise and craziness uh, and and being able to be vulnerable and stuff in this environment is hard, you can go ahead and, and go in the office sit on comfortable chairs. Um, and that's great there. But let's go ahead and start that. Let me pray real quick as we go ahead and uh, close in prayer um, as we have this table time. So Lord, I want to thank you for your gifts. I want to thank you for us walking through this series. I think it's been really beneficial for our church. I know for me, I think all of us have grown and stretched and done things that we've not done before. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that as we kind of end this time together, that we would draw close to each other. I pray that we would, as a church, be more unified now than when we started. Because as we know that's the goal of spiritual gifts is to bring unity. So I pray for those here um, who utilize this gift of tongues of languages. I pray that we would uh, operate it and remember that what it truly means that you pray for us in that moment. I pray for those who have not operated in that before and they would like to. I pray that you would do what you say you're going to do. No more, no less. Just do what you say you're going to do and give that to us. In your name we pray. Amen.